Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Shuttle Drive. And um, in this episode, looky here, who I have on, finally pinned this guy down. It took, I don't know, five months. But um, finally, I got uh, Mr. Chris Hipgrave himself, Mr. Piranha. Yeah, so I got him on. Uh, Chris, how's it going, buddy? What's up, Rockstar? It's hey, uh, man. Great, to, great to see you again. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, thanks for coming on, man. You know, it's been a while. You know, we definitely chat more than just podcasts, but um, it's it's nice to kind of kind of get you on and let the people, we got to hear what the people have to say. So, um, <laughs> yeah, um, explain what what is it? What is your title at Piranha, you know? Yeah, so I'm the sales director at Piranha US. So just, you know, just driving the sales channels, driving the sales reps for uh, America mm-hmm. and Canada. And not the UK, though. Nope. There's a whole different sales team over in the UK that drives sales in the UK, Europe, and the rest of the world. So okay. under, under our umbrella here in the US, we're just doing sales to the USA and Canada. Do you do, uh, do, you do anything in Australia and Africa or places like that? Is there? Um, I don't, but obviously Piranha does. Oh, okay. you know, we, we say, you know, um, uh, we're sending boats all around the world. So can Australia, for example, is a very strong market for us. So, um, yeah, so there's containers, there's containers of our boats all around the world. How's South America, by the way? It's Not solid. much. Is it really? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we, we have a, we have a very strong, we have a very strong dealer down there in Chile. And then there are other, there are other strong pockets across South America. I think, uh, I think there are obviously some challenges down there yeah. for sure, but uh, that's all driven from the UK. From uh, Lauren Mac- Lauren Macarith is is the uh, uh, drives all the rest rest of the world sales, and but we have pretty strong down there. That's awesome. Well, speaking of um, around the world here, as I mean, unless you've been living under a rock in West Virginia somewhere, there there's a supply chain issue going on. And that was one of the things that I wanted to kind of talk to you about because you you definitely would get that supply chain, especially for like, you know, just I guess the world in general, but paddle sports manufacturing. Could you go ahead and let's talk a little bit about like what what your opinion on that supply chain? How's it affected Piranha? You know, I know it's affected a lot of deal, a lot of manufacturers here in the U.S., but what what is Piranha seeing from that? What's your opinion on that? Yeah, the, the supply chain's broken. It doesn't matter whether you're making kayaks or you're making widgets i mean bottom mm-hmm. line is it it's broken so okay you know so so what so i guess first of all you know i think it's important that people understand what that supply chain is so in every whitewater kayak that we make there's a lot of things that go into that kayak right yep. every nut bolt washer resin bulkhead resin right <laughs> i mean and but then there's also the parts that make it the, the fuel, the fuel that, uh, that runs the ovens that, that, that cooks those boats. Yeah. The um, so, natural gas, so, right? So you can go as deep as you want to go. All of those things are under pressure right now. All, uh, the, the entire supply chain is under mm-hmm. pressure of, of all these parts, widgets and supplies that we need in order to make kayaks. And that's, that's a result of shortages, staffing shortages, uh, resource shortages, um, transportation issues. So, that has affected us for sure, just like it's affected every other kayak manufacturer. I think, I think to a degree, it's affected us a little less because mm-hmm. most of our supplies are from the UK or Europe. I think some of these some of these suppliers, some of these manufacturers that are getting their products from Asia, for example, have been have been uh, hit much harder. Oh, for sure, yeah. 
Um, so, so then that's one, that's one side of this whole supply chain issue. You know, I touched on another one, which is staffing shortages. Now, as you know, as you know, it's tough to find staff these days. Even uh, it, so is the, the UK, are they experiencing that also? Yeah. The same thing that we're, we're seeing in the news here is also happening in the UK. So if you're in the UK and you want a job at Piranha, call <laughs> <laughs> call Chris. Hold on. Uh, message me and I'll give you his personal cell number. Call him anytime. <laughs> Send resumes to him. No. Yeah, the, the same the same issues that we're we're seeing here in the US with staffing yeah. is, is over there. So that's that's also an issue. And then I guess the third the third issue which affects us here in the US is that all of our boats are made in England and mm -hmm. then have to get shipped here. So again, as we're all acutely aware, there's a there's shortages of containers there's yep. massive demand there's ships there's delays in ports so so well, yeah so those are kind of the three major things that have impacted us and i would argue every other kayak manufacturer as well well what's what's really surprised me even though you guys are in the uk you didn't you piranha has been able to meet demand better than almost all the manufacturers which makes me believe that maybe you guys have a good warehouse system going on maybe maybe you have a lot going on in warehouse where you have storage where you can mold a lot and have them in storage but i was very impressed with piranha over the past year as probably you know, who knows? I, I noticed you got Porsches with carbon fiber boats now on the top. So, <laughs> so apparently your commission checks were very impressed too. But just, um, uh, just, uh, just to chip in there, the boat is mine. That Porsche isn't. So. Okay. Well, anyway, yeah, um, I just <laughs> I had wish. to give you, I had to give you a shit about that. <laughs> so, um, yeah. And, but yeah, so I didn't see that much of a problem with Piranha. You know, obviously you can never make enough boats. At, well this year but how do you feel that's gonna like going into 2022 and in just like a few weeks from now what do you what's your opinion on that like where do you think the paddle sports in general are going um yeah so, so i guess first of all thank you for recognizing that last year you know i think yeah. 2021 was hugely challenging and through good planning great staff great decisions and let's be candid a lot of luck you know, we, we were, we were in a, we were in a pretty solid position this year and we're going into 2022 mm -hmm. with more, pl more planning, more planning, bigger, bigger ideas. And hopefully that luck continues. So we're, we're up, we're optimistic. You know, we've, we've changed, we've, we rose to the, some of the challenges that 2021 threw at us. Uh, I think the expression I used on, I uh, was chatting with Gray Makarif, the owner of Piranha just the mm -hmm. other day and, I said 2021 was like trying to pin, pin, the ta pin the tail on the donkey and the donkey keeps moving. You know, those, those challenges are going to keep happening in 2022. So, but we, you know, we've experienced a lot of pain in 2021. We're carrying those experiences over. I hope we've made the right plan and hopefully the luck continues. And I, I think it will. I think we're in a great position for, for this year ahead. But, but, what, no, but then, you know, what does 2022 look like? I, there's no there's no indication that the demand for kayaks is going to slow down. Mm -hmm. the, the pre-season orders, which all the manufacturers go out and get, um, that yeah. allows us to plan and manufacture for the retailers, you know, those orders are huge. Um, so that indicates that obviously retailers are feeling confident about the year ahead. Um, all the people I work with that work in instruction schools, you know, just the ones locally here, you know, Ace on the Ocoee, NMC, yeah. Instruction, the Whitewater Center in Charlotte. Now, those guys have huge bookings for next year. So that indicates to me people are still flooding into the sport of Whitewater. Uh, so participation, I don't think, is going to be an issue. So I, I'm optimistic. And I'm also optimistic yeah. beyond 2022 as well. You know, think about how many people have come into Whitewater right now and just paddling as a whole. Hopefully oh, that sure. means... Yeah. Hopefully that means we've got a larger percentage of the population that are connected to the outdoors, connected to the rivers, the environment, maybe a little bit more proactive with the protection mm -hmm. of the environment, that kind of stuff. So I'm, oh, yeah. I'm, I'm really optimistic for the, for the long, long term future beyond just 2022.
This was a question that, that, that I'd like to know, you know, you don't have to answer it if you don't want to, but um, what region of the U.S. Is, is a majority of piranha sales? You would know that more than anybody. You know, you got the Northeast, the South, the, the Southeast, and the PNW, and I guess the Midwest, which, you know, you're probably selling fusions out there. I don't know. But it's like, what, what region is like one of, your, one of the prime, like, piranhas? Like, I would say the Southeast personally yeah i mean i i i don't think that i don't think there's any mystery here i mean wherever there's a strong pool of whitewater powderless i think piranha's done very doing done and doing very well so southeast colorado pacific northwest obviously are the three three big big territories um you know I but think, you would think uh, southeast is the most dominant for piranha but I, I live in the southeast so you know <laughs> so i would <laughs> I don't know, look know, out on his porch so my, uh, I guess my perception is probably a little warped, but yeah, we're yeah. doing very strong here, but, but you know, I, I traveled, I traveled to the Rockies, I traveled mm. out West and I see a lot of our boats on the water out there too. So, yeah. And well, man, that, that's, that's awesome. I mean, the, um, with the supply chain thing, you guys have been able to kind of bob and weave and get around that, but that, that shows what a good team and, you know, a good, good mindset when me working in manufacturing before, I know how that is, you know, it's not just one, yeah. one guy at the helm, well, it might be Graham up there with a gavel banging, but I mean, I don't know, but it's like the, the team, you guys there have figured out how to keep that supply chain going. And it looked great I'm with sure. the launch, with the launch of the Scorch. And that's what I wanted to get onto was about the Scorch and the Scorch X, you know, I remember, you know, seeing that first prototype that you had and I was like, oh, wow, that looks awesome. <laughs> I was like, um, how's that Scorch been selling? How's that been doing for Piranha? Has that been like? Uh, it's, it's, it's been brilliant. I think the, the both the dealer and public reception to that boat has been incredible. So it's, yeah, I mean, you paddled it. Uh, mm -hmm. I can't get out. I can't get out of it. I think it's freaking brilliant. So mm. it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's it's a big step forwards for us. You know, I think I think technically, you know, it's a it's a it's an obvious evolution uh, step forward from where the nine R was, um, with a lot of ripper influence in there. It's definitely very modern in terms of rocker deck profile, how it paddles, which is brilliant. So it's being received really well, and I, you know, I'm 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 humbled to be able to paddle that thing every day, and it's it puts a, puts a smile on my face. Yeah. And, and just to let people in that maybe don't that's listening, that don't know the, the scorch comes in four sizes, a small, a medium, a large, and an X. And will you explain what the X is? Because I still get messages today. You think the extra large scorch, it will be great for me. And I'm like, no, no, buddy. So you explain exactly like what the difference is in between the, the scorch X and the three sizes of the scorch, the small, medium, and large. Yeah. So the best way to think about it is to think that they're actually two different boats. So the small, the small, medium, and large are exactly as they are, as they're labeled, small, medium, and large scorches. The X, the X in the Scorch X doesn't stand for extra large. It stands for extra fun, extra dry, extreme. expedition. Well, yeah, extreme is <laughs> whatever you want it to be. Basically, it's a, uh, basically it's a medium that's stretched out to 10 feet with more rocker, more edge, um so yeah it, it it could arguably have a different name first but it's very much a different it's clearly a scorch mm -hmm. but it takes that design philosophy of a design design philosophy of the scorch and turns that dial all the way up to 11 so and then you know how how to convince the guys definitely in the uk to do a boat like that you know a 10 foot downriver fun creeker slash river runner i don't know it seems like seems like a majority of the sales for that is going to be in the u.s how did the uk kind of like take that boat like the scorch x anyway the scorch is great the scorch is a great river runner i looked at it as like a predecessor to the burn slash nine r hmm. and with a ripper influence i agree with you 100 percent. but that scorch x i'm like man that's a tough sell until i paddled it and i was like oh that's a great sell if someone gets this boat yeah, well, I mean, let, let me uh, let's let's uh, let's drop back just a little bit and talk about how the scorch actually happened. So, okay, we were we were committed to designing a replacement for the burn. Okay, 
which which had been in our lineup for a very very long time, and that was the Scorch. And you know, as we as we listed the things we wanted to get out of this boat, you know, we had a nice list going. We had our design philosophy, uh, how where we were going to take this thing, and then Dave Fusilli, uh, who's our West Coast mm-hmm. rep, um, big part of the Piranha family, overall badass, great guy. He's always had this concept for a ten foot boat out there, like an extreme creaker. And when we looked at what he was asking from that boat, we realized it was almost exactly the same things we were asking for in the Scorch, just in different extremes and different, in different <clears throat> volumes. And we realized that there was a lot of synergy between these two projects. So that's what that's, so we were able to take what were going to be kind of two, two unique boats and we're going to bring them into this single Scorch idea. Oh, wow. So that's how we that's how we ended up there. And then, but to answer your to answer your uh, question, um, yeah, I mean they twelve foot boats like the twelve R Green Boat, etc. Mm-hmm. You don't see many of those in Europe. That's that was a tough, tough sell. That was a tough, tough sell, sell over there, right? <laughs> when you very wanted the twelve R, yeah, yeah, very much a North American thing. You guys so nailed it te- with that one too. Yeah, thank you. Um, the the Scorch X was definitely you know, we were definitely concerned that we want you know that we want going to find that excitement in Europe, but much to our surprise, you know, after debuting it, we've seen strong sales in Europe. I think they're coming around. I mean, the cool thing about the ten foot the ten foot Scorch X is it doesn't it doesn't paddle like a ten foot boat. Not at all. It it paddles like a fast eight nine foot boat. Mm-hmm. Um, and in some of those bigger European rivers where it's quite pushy, you know, the extra length can actually be a benefit out there. So, so whereas the race oriented 12 R will continue to be a tough sell in Europe, um, the Scorch X has done very, very well, better than we anticipated in the European market for sure. Yeah. And anyone that hasn't paddled that boat, I highly recommend to try to demo that boat because, you know, I know you look at it besides your normal creaker, you know, you might have a Mamba and you're like, oh, the Scorch X, that's just too much boat. But Chris is right. When you look at the actual amount of boat in the water with the rocker, it doesn't paddle like I'm paddling a 10 foot boat. You know, it doesn't because it maneuvers, maneuvers around things so smooth and comes out of drop so smooth. So, yeah, no, I was, I was impressed when, when you told me about that boat and I couldn't wait to see it just from hearing what you said. I was like, there's no way. And then I was like, no way piranha number one's going to go for that. <laughs> They'd be like, ah, we're just going to waste money on a mold. But man, that, that boat's been great. No, it, 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 that's a funny way of doing it too. Is like a concept. And then one guy's over here, like, let's do this. And this, I, I've been in rooms like that too. You probably have too. And it's like, you know, how about doing this and this, and it just keeps going and going. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, the, the same things that Dave wants when he's, you know, pulling big moves on the little white are the same things that Bob down the road needs running Nanahela Falls for the exactly. first time. It's, you know, they're not, it's not that much different. It's Mm-mm. just in, it's just in the, how you present that feedback back to the paddler. So yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty, pretty darn cool. And yeah, the X is amazing, dude. I mean, you and I have talked about this when we've been paddling together, mm-hmm. but I've never been in a creek boat that just makes me giggle. Like, no, <laughs> You know, normally, normally the, the creek boat is a tool to go to someplace super cool, and you're kind of, you know, you're blown away by what you're paddling. And that creek boat is generally hard, hardish. But you yeah. get in, uh, you get in the Scorch X, and you're just pulling these huge skips and big, huge booths, and you just find yourself giggling. And yeah, it's, it's it's a really it's a really really cool boat, really cool boat. And so then back to what you were saying that you know the the sizing, so it's closer to the medium than the large as far as sizing, cockpit sizing, and and yeah. sizing. It's got more volume, obviously. It's probably got more volume than the large, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. In fact, actually, the Scorch X actually has more volume than twelve R. Believe it or not. <laughs> I would believe it because of its, its height. Yeah. Right. And the yeah, way yeah, that tail's yeah. white. Yeah. Uh, but the way it fit, the way it feels in the cockpit, it may be just a smidge bigger than the medium, but uh, in terms of cockpit geometry and ergonomics. Um, but yeah, I would say it's, it's between the medium and large, definitely leaning towards the medium in terms of, yeah. in terms of feel. But I mean, I'm a, I'm a tall, I'm a tall dude. I mean, I'm almost, I'm almost six, five and I've got, I got a crap load of room in it and I've seen really big dudes paddling it. So there's, there's lots of room in there and that extra volume obviously floats. Yeah. 
it's just more narrow than the large. Yes. Width wise, it's like the medium, correct? Yes. yes. Okay. Well, that's pretty much covers the uh, is uh, it covers the the scorch and the scorch X. Hey, a quick question for you though: Why is it that Piranha likes to send larges over to the U.S. first? Because all my buddies that want small scorches are like, "Are you serious? Why start large? Is there is there something behind that? What's or is it medium? We, we always we always start with the mediums. Well, the first then, one to hit the U.S. was large. No. We had the scorch meat. We had the scorch mediums here first, um, but then uh, and I'll but agree then there's always <laughs> we can we can have that conversation later. <laughs> um, I could be there. Is a lot of water under that bridge. Do you actually maybe <laughs> right now? But, um, but anyway, the, normally we start with the mediums because mm-hmm. that's the volume seller. I mean, typically the uh, medium mm-hmm. volume boat will outsell the smalls and the larges, and then. Um, and then we always have the question, which one next? And for the American market, again, typically the large outsells the small, whereas in the European market, the medium quite often, the small will often outsell the large. So that is not a, that is not a commentary on the American, uh, on the average American person. It is simply <laughs> a, a, comment, a commentary, a commentary on on on, on, uh, on how it normally shakes out. Well, and yeah, to that, you know, it's not necessarily that you know Americans are like larger. You look at someone like Levi Rose; he's like, "Oh, I like pat on the large scorch." The Americans like bigger volume boats, but the just getting over things a lot better mm-hmm. instead of being like lower volume and getting into the water more. That's just my. And I mean, you could probably back me up on that too. It's like, they don't oh, yeah. mind piling bigger boats. Yeah, we, we've seen a lot of people upsize from the medium ripper to the large ripper, for example, so they can creak in it more. Mm-hmm. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and that, that's really what it is. Because I like piling, that's why I like the Scorch X so much. I like piling a bigger volume boat with more like link, more waterline, more volume to get over, up and over things. But yeah, is there anything... Um, yeah, so I guess that covers all the Scorch X. I don't know what else we got on that. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Is there anything you want to add on the Scorch or the Scorch the Scorches or Scorch X? I, I think it's important to acknowledge kind of where that boat's going to be for 2022. You know, I think or I can already see that there's going to be a shortage of Scorch Xs in the U.S. Uh, and the Canadian markets for next year, just kind of based on the number okay. we can produce. And the number and the number that dealers want. I think the regular scorch is going to be fine, but the scorch X kind of that uh, took us by surprise. Just um, just yeah. kind of how how popular that has become very very quickly. So, well, I guess I would say to your listeners, if you want a scorch X, find one. And if you if you order, think you want one, get one. Order it today. Yeah. And can you see that? What are these? Um, what are these colors? What's this new piranha color right here called? That's the smoking gecko. The smoking gecko. And for everyone listening, go to the piranhakayaks.com and look at these new colors. Wow. I have not even seen this color until I went on piranha's website. I like this. It's a kind yeah. of a dark green with a grayish black tint. I guess it's black, but it fades nicely. It's actually gray. It's, okay. kind of, it's, it's grayish and, uh, okay. and the, that, gray, that green is a, is a new color for us. It's very flat green versus the kind of a bright green. I'm liking it. Previous colors. I love yeah. my green. And then, so smoking gecko. So there you go. Cause I don't see a name on here on Piranha's website. Usually they name colors, but I don't see the name anywhere. So I was like, I'll ask Chris this. And then yeah, this, so there's, the, there's smoking gecko. That one's a uh, fire ant. Fire so, ant. Okay. Fire ant, yeah, yeah. So it's this, it's this nice bright orange, which I think looks badass with that same gray from the uh, from the green one. And then we have the uh, the limited edition one right there, Red Rock. Okay, this is the Red Rock, and which is red with a orange top fade into it. Correct. Actually, that's that is that is actually the orange soda from last year on your website. Oh, that looks like the orange soda on my screen, but yeah from, okay from, from last I, year don't eat yeah they, we have a we have a, have a limited edition which is coming yeah. into the u.s called red rock yeah so well, um yeah no um I've, I've seen that red rock no um i have seen the color i know what you're talking about it's not it wasn't on that page but i think piranha right. posted it on like their facebook or somewhere like that it's out there 
Yeah. 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 That's our LE, our limited edition color for, yeah. uh, for kind of the first part of this year. And then we'll transition to a, to a new one. Uh, I like those colors. Yeah. I love how you guys are doing that side fade. It's a little different than doing like, you know, the, the traditional fade like bow midsection and then stern or like other companies that put lines and all that. You guys mm-hmm. have it. Not, I like that side fade because it lets that prominent green, that prominent orange just really pop out. So yeah, I just wanted to ask you that. And yeah. So um, you hear that everybody place your orders for the score checks today, right now. Um, because who knows if you put those orders in maybe to, when the container lands, you know, <laughs> at least you'll be in line, <laughs> but yeah. All right. Moving on, man. Um, on the scorch, that's pretty good. Is there anything in the lineup for Piranha right now? Thinking of Piranha's lineup, you know, you guys got like the, the low key, the ozone, the scorch, the nine R, the 12 R, the Scorch X, the fusions, the fusion duo, you know, such a great lineup. It seems like Piranha's done such a great job at covering all varieties of kayaks. Is there like, where do you, and, and the rippers and it's like, where, is there any room in there to like add anything? Is there anything that you would think, you know, it'd be great to add in here. What, what's, what's Piranha missing? Is there, am I missing something? <laughs> there's, there's always room to update okay. a model or to, or to drop something in there. I mean, wouldn't, wouldn't a Scorch X with a Ripper Stern be amazing? Woo! I mean, me, me and my three, three friends would definitely buy one of those. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, but no, but, but, in, uh, but I, uh, I, I jest, but yeah, that there, there always is. Um, we're, you know, we're already actively working on our new boats for 2022, which people will see shortly. Mm-hmm. Okay. And we're already dis- and we're already discussing 2023. So I mean, okay. you, you you've been in this product cycle, Wade. Mm-hmm. You've been in this industry. You and I are both dinosaurs. We've both been doing this for a long time. I mean, you know, you're just you more just of a brontosaurus. I'm more of a T-Rex. <laughs> you don't um you don't wake up one day and go, let's build this boat. I mean, it's years and years of planning that go into it, testing, etc., mm-hmm. etc. Oh so, yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, so we're now we're 24 plus months out you now thinking about what's coming. Um, obviously with, with, with new stuff right around the corner for mm. the year ahead. Yeah. And there's something else that really exploded here in the, like all around that I'd never really paid that much attention. It's a, the extreme slalom. What do you, what's your opinion of that stream slalom? How is that stream slalom compared to like US and Europe? We had it here at the, you know, the Charlotte Whitewater Center. There was some extreme slalom and, you know, I, there's been kind of a rush for boats around that. What do you, what's your opinion on the extreme slalom stuff? Yeah. I mean, the, uh, extreme slalom is what the International Canoe Federation calls boat across you and i you and i call it boat across the icf call it extreme slalom it is basically the same thing they just have a few more rules about not running people over and knocking teeth out um yeah. <laughs> that's uh, true no pulling yeah, spray skirts <laughs> so extreme slalom again just for your viewers extreme slalom is going to debut in the 2024 olympics in uh, in paris gold medal that's a big deal right it is so, a huge deal. so slalom no, slalom is still in the Olympics, but I think we can all agree that slalom, as beautiful as that sport is, how they paddle, the boats that they paddle are a million miles away from the type of boats that you and I paddle. There's a massive disconnect there. So extreme slalom is this effort by the ICF to do lots of things, include drive TV viewership, but, mm-hmm. uh, but also kind of reestablish that connection back to the recreational sport which you and i love so yeah, they're, they're, they're pad- plastic they're boats. paddling they're paddling mainstream boats yeah so we're seeing a we're seeing a lot of piranha rippers being used right now in extreme mm-hmm. slalom because it's fast it's probably the fastest boat out there there are other boats as well um yeah but the, the piranha rippers being extremely well used um it's already being used, uh, extreme slalom's already in the world championships for slalom. Uh, and uh, Evie Leafhoff um, from, from, from my home club here in the Nanaheim, yeah. she walked away with, with a bronze medal at the inaugural extreme slalom worlds this year. So that was huge. That was huge for us. And so extreme slalom is in the Olympics from 2024 moving forwards. And we're taking it seriously. It's a huge, I mean, think about the millions of people. That's worldwide, worldwide eyeballs on it. 
all yep. over the planet and, Earth. Yep. Yep. And extreme slalom is is a little bit like a NASCAR race. I mean, there's gonna be there's gonna be crashes and burns, right? I mean And disqualifications uh, apparently. And <laughs> particularly if you're EJ. <laughs> <laughs> or Trent. My buddy That's Trent right. Long. Yeah, he That's got disqualified right. in Charlotte. <laughs> then EJ yep, got disqualified have. in um <laughs> was it spain Five. where was it at yeah I, th- actually, I think evie got disqualified in her last race as well she was she was leading and she forgot to do the role there's a mandatory role in every wait a uh, minute extreme wait a minute let me you mean role kayak yeah. like they, kayak yeah. role eskimo you, role kayak role they yeah. purposely mandatory- want you to do a complete 360 role Yep. So in, in all extreme races, in all extreme slaloms, there's a, there's a mandatory role in a certain section. And Evie was, I think, leading the race, but forgot to roll. She just saw the finish line that and is was hauling ass. Hilarious. <laughs> That's today's knowledge nugget for me. I would not have yeah. thought that. You mean you, in between catch and go, gates, you have to actually do a kayak roll. Yeah, there's a certain section typically where you have to do it. So it makes sense, right? I mean, uh, I, even the layman has heard of the Eskimo roll and how hard yeah, it exactly. is. Yeah, exactly. You know, so it's, it's, again, it's, it's great for the, for the layman watching it. And what's funny is, you know, for all the casuals that really don't know, because one of the, what do you do if you tip upside down? It answers that question. <laughs> yep. there's like no, what do you what do you do in those if you tip upside down then i have to explain on the so all the people that's watching extreme slalom is like oh i can't wait for the roll portion there's gonna be that guy or that girl up there like excited to see the roll <laughs> yeah so, it, so this is a huge opportunity for the sport i mean to get yeah. it into the living room right so of, of non-paddlers so so i think we have to take it seriously you know and uh no we are developing a extreme slalom version of the ripper oh That's wow my, uh, oh interesting yeah to drop that knowledge here so here we podcast. go so so you're telling me that i don't have to ask the question is there anything new from piranha you're already telling me right now there's an extreme slalom version of the ripper Yes. that's in the works right now it's not it's not currently out yet but it's in the works it's in the works yeah we, and we this will be available me. for the public mm-hmm. yeah plastic I mean, we have probably we ha- it has to be plastic oh. we have to, we have we have to take it seriously i mean what a huge opportunity to get white water into the living room of non-paddlers worldwide Oh, it's, wow. It's a huge opportunity. So we're not the only ones, you know, I mean, you've seen the, you've seen the chili. Uh, yeah. From, the, the EXO, the EXO Zion. I just mm. looked at that the other day, the slalom Zion. Um, yeah. They're developing it's, something. So yeah, I, I think every serious boat manufacturer is out there. So yeah, so we're playing, we are playing with an extreme slalom mm-hmm. version of the Ripper. That certainly isn't all we're coming out with in 2022. Yeah, well, hang, yeah, for sure. Yeah, hang, uh, hang tight, folks. Yeah, I'm excited coming. to see that. I'm excited to see it. Um, I'm guessing it's going to be narrow and fast, with not right. a lot of rocker. <laughs> well, it, but you, they in extreme the, slalom, they actually come off a ramp. Yeah, you need the, the right amount of rocker in the right spot. Exactly. <laughs> So you need you need rocker to surface quickly. Cool. Uh, quite often, those extreme slalom races are one off the ramp. So it, it really uh, is. The, one, yeah, when having you, the ha, yeah having the right amount of rocker so it surfaces quickly and carries speed downstream quickly, and getting so that lead in that front position, and then making it because it's boater cross. Like well, it's once you have that lead in that front position, now it's like really tough to make a pass because you can't yeah, bang so. people with your paddle or you'll get disqualified. <laughs> yeah that's right yeah <laughs> well man that's good news right there um yeah because like you said you know the sport definitely is is only getting bigger when i first seen it and then i heard that same thing about you know it's going to be in the olympics for gold medalists and all that and that makes that's going to put a wide you know bunch of eyeballs on it and that's really good that um you guys are yeah. working on something to kind of like cater to that crowd and there'll be people that just want to paddle that boat oh for sure for sure. I mean, it's amazing. I mean, to think in 2024, someone's going to walk away with a gold medal in Bodacross, a.k.a. Extreme Slalom. I mean, that plastic kayak, that's, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah, that you and I can then go to our retail store and buy. The exact so same boat. Which is really cool. I mean, that's where Slalom was back, they, in, back, they, back in the it, Jurassic period. Is it a <laughs> so, nine-foot cutoff? Is, that, is it a nine-foot? Is that what they Yeah, right, right now it is. The, the ICF are finalizing their rules. Okay. Um, and, but right now it's a nine, uh, mass produced nine foot polyethylene kayak. 
um, is the basic premise. So I doubt there will be major changes to the overall rule, but we'll see. I mean, the yeah. ICF, the ICF can do crazy things. So we'll we'll see where we'll see where it goes. Yeah. Moving on, probably the next thing is like good question for you is what kind of paddle do you use? <laughs> are I we know. Really doing, are we really doing paddle and offset? I, I didn't ask you your length. <laughs> I didn't ask you your offset. I could really care because you know why? Both me and you can adjust that on the fly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I use, uh, I use a whitewater paddle by G Power called the Twister. And it's a, um, it's a, formerly a slalom paddle where it's a crankshaft where the blade is actually ahead of the center line of the shaft. So it extends the length of the paddle. It's a very it's called a forward crank. There's a, that's called a forward yep. crank then that goes like that. Yeah, hmm. that's right. So the blade is actually ahead of the center line of the shaft. So it's a very powerful, aggressive paddle. It is, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's fantastic. It's metal tipped. Uh, and just like the paddle you're using, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a two piece. Um, so mm-hmm. I can adjust the length and the offset as well. So like if I'm paddling my 12, I'll, I'll, cr- I'll crank it up a couple of centimeters. If I'm in a little short play boat, it's all the way down. So yeah. Um, yeah. The, the G power twister. Love it. And let's look at this. Cause I want to, I'm curious about this too, because we we've talked about the paddles. Can you see that right there? So that's the one you have. Yep, that's the one. The twister. Yeah, it was originally they they took the original slalom twister and they basically beefed it up for the old sick line races, and that's where that's where this paddle kind of evolved from. And I've been using it. Gosh, I've been using the uh, G Power twisters now for I think seven or eight years. Um, wow. Yeah, you can really see it. You can really see in that picture how the blade is so far so, ahead of the. the so, for you guys line. listening, I went to gpowersports.com, and and I'm looking at the Twister Extreme. What is this? This is the X Creeker, and it's got that blade for design like the um, Letman. I've compared these the Letman to this too. It's a really nice blade, and what I like about this one, looking at Chris's paddle, he has it. Well, G Power adds the. Um, what did you, what'd you call it? Is it just aluminum? Is that what's around it, the edge? Yeah, it's an aluminum metal tip that's actually laminated into the edge of the blade. So uh, it's, you, you just don't, you don't get that delamination of the fabric in the end, like as shallow as everything is in the Southeast here, Wade. I mean, you know how quickly composite paddles can delaminate and get worn down. So, Oh, for sure. Um, so I don't, I don't get that um, because it's, it's no. a, I'm, I'm just wearing down this aluminum tip. Yeah, so, I because you said you're going on five years, and I looked at yours just see yeah. at the Chioa the other day when we was out, and it still looks, I don't know, less than a year old. Yeah, I'm, I'm beat the hell out of that thing. It's my it's the only paddle I use for pretty much all white water paddling, and it's it's going strong. Yeah, I really like it. Where are they out of? Where's uh, G Power out of? Poland. They make a lot of uh, they make a lot of they make a lot of paddles. Um, they make a lot of paddles for slalom. Uh, they make a wing wing paddles for Sersky guys. And, is that and where you and stuff. first started using them? Uh, no, I got turned. Gosh, I forget where I got turned onto them from. I forget. I forget how I ended up with it. But, but I, I've always preferred a slalom oriented paddle. Yeah. You know, just given my, I personally have a racing background. You know that. So I've always preferred that aggressive feel on the blade, and so I've always gravitated towards. Um, powerful locked in blades and, and you you use the you so you use the bench shaft and not straight shaft maybe a quick question for you what's the advantage for you for bench shaft versus straight shaft i would argue i'm not u- using a bench shaft <laughs> he's using so, a so crank i'm using a crank shaft so werner and at what was at you know those are what i term bench shaft they're yeah. bent for they're bent for comfort it's called a natural bend. Exactly. Yeah. So whereas a crankshaft move, your, your hand is put into a neutral position, but then the blade moves forward from where your hand is to be ahead of your shaft. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah that's what so, you're talking about. That's the natural bend on like my Odachi, my broken Odachi, by the way, Warner. But um, yeah, so that's what you're talking about. A natural bend right there. Yeah. And what, yeah, I think what, 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 if I'm not mistaken, Werner, 
Werner's blade is centered on the shaft, and then AT's the blade was actually behind where the hand what hand was, right? So, and that's all done for comfort and ease of use. Whereas, so so for a lot, no, so yeah, boom, there it is. Yeah, so the AT is just straight in line with the hand. Yeah. And the only reason the Adachi is because it's a little bit of a blade forward, but compared to your G power and that Letman, it that crank puts the blade almost an inch to an inch and a half in front of the knuckles, basically. That's right. That's right. Yeah, you know, Letman and G power, they have this slalom that they, they do a, they both do a lot of business in slalom. That's where that technology comes from. Whereas obviously, you know, Werner is more is recreational focused and they've gone in that direction. So I think, you know, Werner could definitely have taken that um, that Odachi even further, but it makes it, it makes it makes sense that they it makes sense that they that they took a bold step forwards doing something different, but they didn't go as far as these some kind of slalom oriented companies like Letman and G Power. So, yeah, so but, but it's not it's not for everybody. So have you used the straight shaft paddle much? Yeah, I mean, I'm sure you started with them. I mean, but it's like, would you like? So, is, do you feel there's a power advantage with having that forward crank? Absolutely. So I do. I use. Um, yeah, I, I I can use a straight shaft whitewater blade all the time. I, I as you know, I do a lot of. I use a wing paddle a lot too in mm-hmm. for surf ski and wild water. Those are all straight shafts, but the blades are then cranked forwards at the knuckle. At the uh, at the ferrule where the where the blade meets the shaft, those blades are all cranked forwards from there. So they're technically still blade forward designs, but on a straight shaft. So, which is which is a kind of like what the Adachi and Surge kind of played on, correct. but it's only like that much. I yeah. agree with you. I think they could have went even farther with that, but um, yeah, it is what it is. Yeah, if you look if you look at a wing, uh, I don't have a wing paddle in front of me. Otherwise, I'd show you. But a wing paddle, you know, the mm-hmm. ones I use, the the tip of the blade must be use two the, inches ahead of the shaft. Um, what are those things called? Just wing paddle? It's not a it's wing called, paddles. Yeah, I'm on. I guess it's the Sprint kayak paddle. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, you can pull that one up. It'll it'll. That's yeah. Are you, that's, are you on the if you're still on the G Power G Power page, they make they make them as well. So. Is, yeah, can, so you see how you see how in that picture, look how that blade that blade is sitting flat on the table, but look uh, how look how the shaft is elevated off the table. So yeah, so there's so that, a good that picture. is yeah, that's still technically a straight shaft paddle, but the that the bend is happening right there where the blade meets the shaft. So the by moving that blade forwards on the shaft, you're just getting a lot more power uh, out of the blade, but it gets squirrely behind you. So you've got to have good technique if you have. If you have really poor forward stroke technique, a paddle like, a, uh, even a paddle like a twister that move, or a Letman that moves things forwards can get squirrely behind you. I'm sure you, you felt it. With you're not kidding on that one, boy. That, yeah. And where, where I really figure it out is if, say, I'm getting worked in a hole or I get flipped mm-hmm. in some boiler line, it, to orient and get it kind of back right and get it and roll and all that. Oof, and they do not like going backwards. <laughs> Board crank paddles do not like doing this. <laughs> they only like doing this. <laughs> yeah, so good point on that one, man. Yeah, that's that's pretty good. Yeah, so you actually have that background in the sprint. You know, you wear your spandex shorts and do long distance. <laughs> long distance. Uh, <laughs> it looks brutal because you go down to Florida, I remember you telling me, and you do like, what, 100 miles or something? I don't know. Yeah, we – well, most of – so – I've always raced kayaks. Okay, even since I was a, ever since I first got into the sport as a teeny kid. So started with slalom, and then uh, back then slalom races were like three minutes long. But then as slalom races got shorter and shorter, I got worse and worse. I'm not, <laughs> I, I'm not built for speed. I'm built for endurance. Uh, He's in for the so marathon, then, not the sprint, buddy. Yeah, exactly. So then I found wild water racing. Um, and then that was super fun. Those races were 15 to 25 minutes long and then continued to get older and then kind of found surf ski about 10 years ago. And those races are typically an hour or more out of two hours. Mm-hmm. And those are, yeah, those, that's kind of my, my jam right now, but I still race whitewater, still do the Koei race and Russell Fork race yeah. and Bowley race. Still skates, racing them and still winning them. Trying to, yeah. it feels good to be 20 year olds when you're, when you're more than double their age. 
<laughs> yeah. Um, speaking of speaking of double, like wild water, you told me a good story. Tell all of our listeners that story about a wild water boat on the golly at Lost Paddle. Goodness. Yeah. Yeah. How'd yeah. That work so we. Out? Yeah. Not well. <laughs> yeah. So wild water boats, super tippy, super fragile. But we used to race them on the upper golly, and it was uh, for the golly race, and it was super fun. This pro. Mm-hmm. I want to say there's probably only there's probably less than ten of us that used to do it on a regular basis. Wild water boats out there, it's it's big and pushy. And when those wild when those wild water boats go wrong, they go wrong spectacularly. So, but in this one in this one instance, I came down through a second drop a lost paddle, which is always a bit of a pucker moment. And, in any boat, uh, yeah, <clears throat> yeah. The race line is to the left of six pack below there. And so that's where I was heading, but I got pushed into the left-hand wall left of six pack, which is all undercut. So me, in a, me and my 12 feet, 14 feet, nine inches with no rocker fiberglass. Yes. So me and my, me and my water boat went into that undercut. Um, I came out when I swam, the boat didn't. Um, so I, I got out on that rock, walked up to where the boat was, and you could see bits of it under there. And over the over the over the preceding thirty to forty minutes, I stood Ooh. there. Bits of bits of my boat would just break off and flush downstream, mm. and until there was nothing left. Are there thigh then, hooks uh, in those? You generally paddle with kind of like your knees barely touching, um, and then when you when you there's no real fire hooks, but when you do need, like when you do need a little bit more stability, you kind of bring your knees apart a little bit, but your knees are almost touching in more of a sprint kayak style. Um, are they when, easy when to get out of? That's where I was getting no. at. Because <laughs> that would be cockpits. scary. The cockpits are about this big. <clears throat> so they're really small cockpits. So. But yeah, yeah, the, the, the goal is eating a few of my wild water boats. So. Um, so there's probably, I think I was at Lost Paddle and I could have swore I seen a piece of it still floating around out there. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. Uh, at, this, at, at this point, I would assume it's been ground up into very, very tiny pieces. But, it's but been yeah. absorbed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I remember you telling me that story and I was like, oh my God, I could only imagine because you knew you were screwed right away, I bet, when you went, you're like, yeah. oh, I'm not coming out of this in the boat. <laughs> no. No, they're, they're, the volume on those things is huge. So they, I mean, there has to be probably 300 gallons. Ooh, because they're huge, right? And I a mean, lot of almost, it's in the back. Yeah, that's right. So they hold a lot of water. So once, once you, if you, once you swim out of a wild water boat, there's so much energy getting pushed through that thing. And they're so fragile. I mean, the thing weighs next to nothing. So. Yeah. Is there any shows like any more retail shows that, that you could think of that uh, Piranha's doing like, you know, PSR or, you know, I met you out at um, the Paddle Expo at the Whitewater Center back in June or July, was it, I think. And yeah. um, is there any like what what do you think the future of that is? Is that even needed in your opinion? Dude, I honestly don't have a good answer. I think. I think the pandemic has forced all of us to think differently. Uh, not, not just kayak manufacturers, but kayak retailers, mm-hmm. consumers. I mean, the, we've, we've all had to think differently. And, uh, and I would argue that the pandemic has, accelerate, has accelerated some rethinking that probably should have, ha- should have happened anyway. So that's really, really positive. Um, there's no reason to go backwards all the way to where we were pre-pandemic. But some of these shows do need to come back um in some form or another um like canucopia for example that was fully virtual that's coming back as both a virtual and in-person event next year that's a probably the biggest consumer oriented uh expo in the country up in wisconsin yeah so for everybody listening i think it's right outside madison right madison Madison, yeah wisconsin by rutabaga yeah Yeah. and so that's that's a brilliant show. It's a great show I to it. connect with people and, and just, yeah, just, just really good folks up there. So that's brilliant to see that come back. But the retail shows, which you and I are more familiar with, where we work not with the consumers, the boat buyers, but more with the dealers. Mm. You know, I don't think we need those back. I mean, it's always great seeing people and reconnecting and having a beer with them and bullshitting yeah. with them over, over in a fun, fun environment. But, you know, it, not having them is not hurting anybody right now. We're all saving a couple of bucks. But they're not cheap. No, they're so expensive. <laughs> so, you know, we'll see where it goes. We're going to do that show again at the Whitewater Center. 
um, in That Charlotte. was pretty good. Thought, that was mm-hmm. super. What a great two days. That was brilliant. If they that could just fun. turn down the heat, they could turn down the heat a little bit. I'd the concrete jungle, it. baby. <laughs> but um, that was a brilliant two days. So yeah. I think that one's going to happen again. Canoe Cope is happening. And we're seeing a few more events reemerge out of the pandemic. But I, but I don't think anybody's going back to where they were pre-pandemic. I think, yeah. again, I think, I think if you can find a positive out of the pandemic, one of them is this rethinking, mandatory rethinking of how we operate as an industry. And it's been overall. Oh, for sure. Good. Yeah, for sure. Well, yeah, man. Yeah, I agree with you. It's like those shows are, are definitely, you know, fun to do and to, to kind of like a meet and greet of a lot of the dealers. You meet some of the dealers that you might not have ever met before or whatever but um i I always wondered actually did it really correlate to sales as much as you know was there a better way of doing it or a cheaper way of doing it because you know i know what bonafide paid for booth space it's like psr and i was like (laughs) oh hopefully i mean yeah this you work in this industry because you love it not because you ever plan to be a rich man right yeah for sure and and these these events these are uh, it, it just seems like a lot of these exhibition organizers were, were walking out of it with pockets full of cash based on what they were actually providing to us. So, yeah. so I'm, I'm not sorry to see the back of many of these. But then with things like the paddle expo was it the or expo at the whitewater center. That was great. It gave kind of the same concept right there on the river got the test boats out, got the demo boats, got to meet and greet yeah. everybody. So the concept was there, but it's just not a big, huge building. And it yeah. was nowhere near the cost. No, nowhere near the cost. And we still got to shake hands, hug babies, have a great time and talk about kayaks. And that's, at the end of the day, this is a wonderful tribe, a wonderful community uh-huh. that we all operate in. And, and we need to be able to reconnect with these people face to face. Yeah. Um, but, but, and that was a great environment to do it in. Yeah. Well, that's awesome, man. Yeah. So we're going on over an hour, Chris here. Is there anything else you want to add? That was a quick hour. Anything else you want to add? Anything you want to remind me of or anything you want to tell everybody listening? Uh, well, the only thing I, I have a question for your listeners in the comments below. Oh God. Tell, Pir- tell Piranha what boats oh. you would like to see us do in the years ahead. So, you know, we have our own ideas, but I'd like, you know, it's always a great opportunity to, to talk to those that are paddling um, to get their feedback that we might not have heard before. So mm. don't be shy. Yes. Make, sure, make, make sure you add the score checks, ripper half slice in there. Yeah. <laughs> with the, yeah. A flattened Machno. <laughs> uh, Machno with a squirtable tail. Yeah. Well, all right, man. But Chris, man, I, I'm going to let you get off here. You know, I know you're a busy guy there, you know, many continents, you're spread amongst many, continents here so i'll let you get i'll let you get back to it man but yeah thanks a lot for coming on dude you're taking the time and sitting down finally with me and letting us get this out of the way i hope we can do another one when um slalom boat drops walk us through that thing so yeah for sure we'll uh we'll get we'll get it out there and go go have a good play in it i appreciate you wade thank you so much yeah thanks a lot chris talk to you later man cheers see you babe